Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four, and England have won the match. Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. October the 20th, and the Prime Minister has just resigned. We're going to bring some sanity to the conversation now, because we're going to talk cricket, of course, we're going to talk the World T20, and we're going to talk about Who's going to win it, basically, because now we're approaching the Super 12 stage of the tournament. And also in this podcast, we have a former winner of the World T20, Ryan Sidebottom, who was part of the England triumphant team in 2010. He's got some very interesting things to say about the tournament in 2010 and how the T20 format has changed in the interim. And also he's got some quite funny memories of that final in the West Indies in 2010. I don't want to drop me and Swanee in it, but I, I promise you, I've never had a cigarette in my entire life. Never hated it. Never been a smoker. Um, but I sat in the toilets with Swanee whilst we were batting because we were both absolutely crapping ourselves, thinking if me and you are batting, Swanee, we're struggling, mate. So we're sat there yapping away, having a cigarette, and then you could hear the cheers and the chanting and every time it was a four or a six. And then we kind of went out the last five overs when we, we sort of needed you know 20 odd to win so it was one of those funny moments really something I'll kind of remember which was a bit ridiculous but um, at the time it just seemed the right thing to do. More from Ryan in the second half uh, in that kind of tone and flavour but some serious stuff as well. So Simon so we've got to the Super 12 stage is just about we don't know every member of both groups but we do at least know that Sri Lanka and Netherlands have qualified from one of the qualifying groups, and now it's all to play for for West Indies, Zimbabwe, Ireland and Scotland. Because they've both got each other to play on Friday, and they're all on two points. Yeah, whoever wins will qualify. West Indies beat Ireland, they'll qualify. If Ireland beat West Indies, they'll qualify. Same with the Scotland-Zimbabwe match. Just looking at the two groups, there's often a feeling... That oh yeah, it's quite good to be in a, a group with some 
weaker teams. But I and Sri Lanka are in with England, which I think is actually quite a good thing because what you don't want is a group of three strong teams and then three weak teams because it makes those games between the, the big teams, in inverted commas, really crucial. You can't afford a, a slip-up. Whereas if you've got, say, say West Indies were to go into England's group, which is a possibility, so you'd have... you know. On the face of it, you know, a pretty strong group. You'd have Afghanistan, you'd have Australia, you'd have uh, New Zealand, you'd have Sri Lanka, you'd have the West Indies. Uh, so, you know, in, in theory, everybody could be everybody. And that actually might be better. You know, it's a better scenario to be in where some teams can, you know, where every team can be everybody else, I think. Because it means you can afford to perhaps drop a couple of games and still qualify for the semi-finals. You know, there's always a talk about a group of death at the World Cup, mm. and it normally means you know when it's lots of strong teams all in together. But actually, everyone beating everyone can actually work to some extent in your favour. Whereas if you're in quite a weak group, there's not much room for error. So that group no. with India, Pakistan, South Africa, they've got Netherlands and Bangladesh. And if say I don't know Scotland, Ireland, Zimbabwe got in that group as well, you might you know you might say you've got three weaker teams and three strong teams. And then it becomes, well, you know, that India-Pakistan game uh, on Sunday, weather permitting, I understand the weather's not particularly good in Melbourne, and, you know, it becomes, you know, it's a re- it's a, it becomes a huge match right at the start of the competition. Weather, of course, has hampered some of the warm-up games as well. It's been unbelievably wet in the eastern seaboard of Australia. Uh, um, in fact, I think Sydney has already broken the record for rainfall for a year, and we've still got two months to go, so... Uh, it, it really is quite a sort of strange climatic situation in Australia. England perhaps fortuitously play in Perth their first game on Saturday morning our time or lunchtime our time against Afghanistan. And just to, to recap on the format, so the Super 12 stage is two groups of six, each team playing each other. So that's five games. And then the top two in each group go through to the semis and final, which is on the 13th of November. So it's quite a, a short hit, really. There's a game for each team every two or three days, and, and then it's all over within three weeks or so. So it's quite an exciting format in a way, actually. And I think sort of almost anyone can win it. I mean, I think Australia, and we'll, we'll get into this in a bit more detail, but Australia probably are the favourites. They're not only the holders, they're also at home. They're, they've sort of elected to play their frontline bowling attack from the test team pretty much and they're a pretty fearsome group England playing so well at the moment but you can see you know them falling coming a cropper occasionally and sides like New Zealand Pakistan South Africa all the waiting in the wings to, to take someone down so it, it is all to play for yeah the betting I had a look at that today just to see you know where that was where the markets were had Australia favourites England second favourites India third possibly with no Jasper Bumrah that's influenced that but I mean still a pretty strong T20 outfit and definitely a danger to any team and South Africa fourth which I thought was interesting uh, South Africa play really well in England in the summer. They, they took down England in that T20 series and they, they were quite impressive. I wonder for this tournament, we often think of Pakistan as sort of like, you know, the, the, the lurkers, the dark horses. I wonder whether South Africa are for this tournament, whether they have got an, an opportunity to, well, to win a world tournament because they, you know, they often find it difficult to, to get over the line or get to the final, whatever, in a, in a big world tournament. Probably, you know, it's probably put the mockers on and they'll probably lose all their games now. But I, I don't know. I wonder whether they could be a, a, a team that might uh, do well uh, in Australia. Mm, well, I, I think they, I think pace bowling is going to be important. And 
teams that have got fast bowlers, not just seam bowlers, but fast bowlers. And definitely South Africa have got two and even three. Uh, obviously, Andrich Nokia and Kigiza Rabada and Lungi Ngidi as well. So, you know, they've got three guys who can bowl close to 90, if not over 90 miles an hour. And on Australian pitches, especially those which have had a little bit of, of rainfall in recent weeks, might just uh, help that white ball nip around a bit under lights. So I can see that their bowling attack being quite uh, quite potent, uh, as well as uh, Australia's. So that in a way, those two with India missing Bumrah, those two bowling attacks, probably the most potent. England, not bad, under maybe sort of second or third in, in ranking now that they've lost Reese Topley and, of course, no Jofra Archer, though I see Jofra Archer back training uh, on tour with the Lions in November, which is exciting news for him and for England ultimately. Perhaps he will be fit for the World Cup in the actual, you know, the 50-over World Cup in a year's time. But uh, meantime, obviously, he's someone who'll be missed by England in this tournament. But Mark Wood, looking good uh, and and really ramping up the speed over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, he's looked good, hasn't he, in the matches in which he's played. Goodness me, I hope Joffrey Archer will be fit for the World Cup in a year's time. And that would be miserable for him if he's not fit. He's still got you know plenty of time before that. And yeah, I think England are hoping that he might play some T20 cricket somewhere in the world uh, after Christmas. It would be great to see him back. He's 27 now. And it's been so frustrating for him. He's been out for, for so long with, with various injuries. And you know your mind goes back to England winning their last tournament in 2019 and how influential he was in that England victory. One team we didn't really mention, Yoz, and we always write them off because they, they're sort of in homish conditions, aren't they? They're not, not far away, just across the Tasman. And that's New Zealand. Uh, you know, everyone always ignores them at, at, at this stage. But last year, last time, well, yeah, last year, uh, you know, they beat England in the semi-finals and, and got to the final. And they're, you know, they're they're a capable uh, T20 outfit. Uh, I see they're quite they're actually down in the betting. I think they're sixth favourites. Pakistan are heading them ahead of them. So South Africa, Pakistan, and and then New Zealand sixth favourites. That they probably prefer that. Actually, that's probably where they they quite like to be. Mm, I mean, their batting hasn't quite clicked as well as they would have hoped over the last year or so. I mean, they've got so many good players with the addition of people like Devon Conway, Daryl Mitchell, players like that who did, uh, who've done well in England. I mean, Kane Williamson's had a sort of iffy run run of form over the last few months and Martin Guptill perhaps just slightly uh, beyond, the, beyond his best now. Finn Allen, an exciting talent who hasn't perhaps quite delivered uh, on his expectations or, uh, you know, predictions. So... Yeah, I, I mean, they just haven't clicked as a team, perhaps. But maybe you don't want to click too early and just come into the, the tournament almost ready and pick up momentum and then suddenly take everybody by storm. It is so much on the day with T20. And, and people say, yeah, of course, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a bit of a cliche. But what, what I would say is that most players, yeah, they play you know bags of T20, yeah, and of course it is on the day. But what they do get, is they get lots of different lots of chances, don't they? Because you often play in a fourteen match league, often uh, depending on the number of teams in the league. But you, know, you often play quite a lot of matches, so there there is actually room to, to lose a few games. You know, you can lose. I don't know. You can lose five or six games and still qualify for the for the knock for the knockout stages. Most of the T Twenty they play in, there is a second, third, fourth, fifth chance often. Whereas in this tournament, there aren't many of those. You know, you, you lose two games, depending on who you lose to, 
you know, that that's it, isn't it? You, you might not make the semi-finals. So you've got, you have got to put those games back to back to back. And you, you and it comes down to you know, the game. It comes down to a little passage of play. It comes down to an over. It comes down to a ball sometimes, you know, a, a drop catch and your whole your whole tournament goes up in smoke. Whereas, you know, in the, in the hundred, you know, you drop a catch, you lose a game. There's another chance the next day. Same with the IPL. Same with you know lot, lots of the tournaments all around the world. There there is intensity, but it's not quite the same intensity as you get in the the T20 World Cup. I, I imagine that presumably the organisers, if they could get their hands on it, eventually would mean make it so that everyone plays each other twice in the in the group stages. So you have you know ten matches or whatever it is rather than five, and you make make more money and you know TV revenue and all that sort of thing. But at, at the moment, it's not. It's it's sharp, short, sharp, focused. Not much room for error. Interestingly, I heard from Steve Elworthy, who's now Chief Executive of Surrey, but was running the 2019 World Cup on behalf of ICC, the organiser. He says that actually India and Pakistan tend to always play their ICC tournament matches on a Sunday, which is quite interesting. And of course, this week, this Sunday, it is India v Pakistan in Melbourne, which I think sold out 92,000 in about seven minutes. So that's going to be a hell of an atmosphere. Yeah, as long as it doesn't rain. I mean, that's the key, isn't it? We've, we've touched on that already. And that, yeah, and and they they meet so rarely that of course when they do play, you, you know, you obviously want the action uh, to take place. They did play recently in in the Asia Cup. It, such focus on the game, isn't it? And Pakistan in last year's T20, of course, beat India, which is a great lift for them because generally speaking, World Cups. Uh, they they don't beat India. India uh, normally win for for one reason or another. It's funny how that's happened because you, you think of Pakistan. You know, they've got so much talent as well. You know they could you think they would be able to take down India just as much as India can uh, take down Pakistan. Of course, the other thing you say they always play on a Sunday. They always play in World Cups yes. because that's the only time or often the only time you can get the two teams together because of the uh, political situation so they, they sort of gerrymander the draw to make sure that they, they are both in the same group so you, you, know, you get as many India-Pakistan games as possible and then you know, you, you, it you know, could end up being the final uh, for example as well which I, you know, from a global point of view that would be you know, f- fantastic for, for those two teams and for the reach and interest in the competition Australia, England, South Africa whatever New Zealand will definitely want to stay in that before that big game on Sunday, England play Afghanistan in their first game, which is a potential banana skin, especially as England's... And they're not sure of what their sort of front-line 11 will be. They've lost Reese Topley, poor guy, another injury, this time stepping on a boundary rope, ricking his ankle, and he's on his way home. That's really sad because he was looking so good and had battled yeah. against a, a number of injuries in the past couple of years and was really... Uh, performing very strongly in 50 over and 20 over cricket for England. So really commiserations to him. But obviously his spot is now going to be filled by somebody. Uh, we'll talk to Ryan Sidebottom about the influence, uh, the growing influence of left arm seamers actually in the second half of this show. But they'll probably replace him with another left arm, I do think. Well, just looking at England's, uh, the makeup of England side, Timar Mills has come into the squad. And actually, just I had a look at the two records actually of T20 international records of, of Reese Topley and Timar Mills, and they are very, very similar. Uh, they've they've ta- basically taken a wicket per game. Timar's played 13 matches, Reese Topley played 22, and they their, their runs per over conceded are very similar as well. Topley 8.3, Timar 
8.37. So on the face of it, uh, they look quite similar, but of course they're very different type of bowlers. Tamal with his pace and variations, of course. He's got a good slower ball. Topley's just looked the part, hasn't he, of late? And he's you know, bowled in those uh, death overs. So what do England do with their team lineup? Uh, I think with, with Top, Topley, we're, we're definitely going to play. We're definitely been England's uh, yeah, Especially in Perth as well, because of his extra yeah. bounce. So you have to think yeah. about that. And, and actually, that new Perth stadium has quite short straight boundaries and, and right, big yeah. square boundaries. So mm. you're going to probably see pace and back of a length bowling quite a lot to get people caught in the deep square of the wicket on either side. So that brings an important uh, role to Mark Wood, of course. Uh, keeper will be about halfway back to the boundary when he bowls. And um, then it's a question of who else can sustain that pace and effectiveness back of a length. Chris Jordan would be one, although he, he tends to favour you know, bowling towards the end of the innings. But they'll miss Topley. Uh, so who do they replace him with? Obviously, uh, D- David Willey is in the frame as well. But I sort of feel he's just he just looks too easy to bat against. I know he takes a few wickets, but he's sort of... He's not quite consistent. He doesn't have quite enough variety. He doesn't have quite enough pace. The ball very rarely swings for long. I just don't feel he's quite good enough. He's a good, he's a good reserve, but I think for for for, for this tournament, I I wouldn't be looking to put him in the front eleven. Okay, so let's have a look at that eleven. So let, let's see, let's agree on an eleven, or at least what what looks roughly like an eleven. So Butler and Hales to open. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Milan at three. Yeah. Stokes at four. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not convinced by Stokes at four, but he's such an an important influence in the game that you've got to give him the chance to to show what he can do. He hasn't ever made a, a T20 international fifty no. in his career, and his strike rate's not great. But let's see if he can deliver. Uh, you know, when it when it really counts. So if not Stokes at four, then probably I would be thinking of Harry Brook at four. You know, let's give Stokes a first go at four and Harry Brook at five. OK, I think what we're saying is what we think England will do. So Butler, Hales, Milan, Stokes, we, we think, will be England's top four there. Then we this is where we get to quite an interesting situation. Can England include Brook, Livingston and Moen Alley? Well, they can do, uh, but it just it just feels it just leaves them a little bit light on bowling uh, without Reese Topley. So he, here's, an, here's an 11 then, that those four we mentioned. Brook, Livingston, Moen... Seven, whoever you can toss up who bats at seven, Livingston or Moen, Curran at eight, then Willie or Jordan at nine, Rashid and Wood mm. is your eleven with with no Salt, no Chris Wokes, no Tim Al Mills. So you you can do that, or do you want to have that bit of extra insurance uh, with your bowling and have play Willie and Jordan or a combination of Willie, Willie Jordan, Wokes, two, two of those three, or do you want to bring Mills in? You know, are you happy enough with a bowling attack of, of of Wood, Jordan, Curran, Stokes, and then bowl spin Rashid, Moen, and Livingston? If you are, then you can get all three of those in. You can get Brooke Livingston and, and Moen Ali into your side. I, I think I, I would be reasonably happy with that. The only thing I'd think about is that the Afghanistani attack is. So its strength is its spin. They've got three mystery spinners, three wrist spinners. The, the leading one play. of which, if they all yeah. play, well, I, I imagine they will. Which, of course, the leading one of which is, is Rashid Khan. <laughs> Joss Butler has a terrible record against 
Rashid Khan. So we'll probably see him bowling in the first six overs. I think at one stage, Butler had faced about 10 balls from Rashid Khan and been dismissed four times. And he's always a bit circumspect against him. He won't take him. I don't think he's ever hit Rashid Khan for a boundary, except off an edge or something. So quite interesting uh, duel, that one. And, you know, all the team analysts will be working feverishly behind the scenes to figure out the best and worst matchups uh, between batter, batter and bowler. Livingston, better against quicks, probably less effective against good mystery or wrist spin. So that might just be a consideration uh, that they, they might want to save him for one of the teams that favours more faster bowlers. I like Livingston as a cricketer. I mean, he's fantastic. He hasn't had much cricket of late. He's been injured. So that might just be uh, slightly prejudiced against him. Uh, I mean, obviously, the, the standout cricketer for England in the last month has been Sam Curran, who just delivers with bat and ball all the time. He's a brilliant fielder as well. He takes great catches in the outfield. He's just a live wire. So I would almost be inclined to have him at seven, actually, because he's, he's just, he just has an impact whenever he plays. So if you have if you have him at seven, then you might be tempted to have Chris Wokes in the side. I don't know, but you, do you want do you want yeah. the left arm? Do you want the extra left armers? That, that's the thing. You, yeah. you, you want, do you want another left armer? So then, in which case, Willie plays or Timal Mills plays. You know, there are quite a few things yeah, for them to sort out. There's a lot of permutations. Yeah, there are, there are quite. A, I mean, a Wokes is a is a better cricketer than than David Willie, really. But there is this sort of premium on left arm seamers, so that kind of more or less evens it up. I think. I don't know, something about Wokes and even when he comes into bat, do you remember that six he hit in one of those um, Australia games? I mean, he didn't look that good yeah. and then he came in. He hit 13 off about four balls. <laughs> and, to, and actually, it was the key kind of intervention in yeah. the game because England won yeah. by eight runs. And he hit, I think yeah. he hit the last ball almost into orbit. So, or near one of the the, the last three, three balls into orbit. So, I mean, Wokes is such a a handy performer as well. I mean, England have... You know, in a way, an embarrassment of riches to to choose from. Yeah, when he hit that shot, he hit it over deep mid wicket, and you when when you're watching it, you knew it was six from the. You know, people say, "Oh, that was six in the moment." He it left his bat, which is sort of cliche and doesn't really mean very much. But sometimes you know, hear the sound off the bat, and just the sound tells you that that's been so sweetly struck. And so as soon as it, just watching on television, as soon as he, I heard that sound, I thought that's six, and it went miles over the rope at deep mid wicket. And it, the other thing is, well, when he then the television camera focused on him. He, he 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 obviously thought, yeah, I've hit that. Well, he's almost he almost surprised himself. Do you know <laughs> yes. that feeling? Yeah. It was like, Whoa, look what I've just done. Yes. <laughs> I don't normally do that. Normally they just sort of drop over the rope, but I've absolutely nailed that. Yeah, it was a lovely moment actually. It was, yeah. Where you yeah. you almost, as you say, almost surprise yourself. Um, yeah. It's and and you know it probably happens <laughs> once or twice in a career where you hit a ball so well. But he's got he's got a reputation for doing it, hasn't he? At the end of the innings, and I remember he he won a game a one day international in Australia a few years ago at Adelaide, actually doing the same kind of thing. So, you know, don't don't underestimate Chris Wokes. And he, the trouble is, you know, the white ball doesn't swing much, so his assets as a bowler are minimised. Yeah. So, well, it may well be that uh, as the tournament progresses, we might see all 15 of the England players at, at one time or another. They, you know, they, anyone who comes in has got the ability to uh, affect a game. Now, of course, that's why they're there. But you know, the, the point being that I don't think England have got like an obvious 11 and then the other four are very much sort of also rounds. I think, you know, they, they can 
and, and they can and probably will mix and match a bit. Maybe that Salt doesn't get a go if, if Butler and Hales go well, or Hales goes really well at the top of the order, or Milan goes really well at the top of the order. But you think the bowlers, they might be an opportunity for, a, for all the bowlers at some stage in the competition. We're going to hear from Ryan Sidebottom very shortly, Oz. Perhaps we should nail our colours, our colours mm, yeah. shouldn't we, now and say who we think are going to win. Um, perhaps we'll do a... Uh, you know who we think we're going to win, and then if not them, then this other team. Perhaps, perhaps we'll do that. Go on, you can go first if you want. Well, I think the finalists will be Australia, England. I mean, as long as the results and and the sort of permutations work out, I think they're the two best teams. And then it's on the day. Uh, it, it will depend on a little bit on whether the Australian frontline bowling attack are fit and bowling well. I, I, I mean, I think Josh Hazelwood's, if not the. Highest ranked T20 bowler in the world. He's close to it, and he certainly was recently. So uh, he's just so consistent, and he's, he's almost um, kind of confounded the uh, expectation of a, a fast bowler in T20. You think of uh, the modern fast bowlers having to have lots of variations, and actually Hazelwood doesn't. He just bowls consistently, hostile, just short of a length, awkward sort of height. Uh, awkward sort of line and length and sticks to it with a couple of sort of subtle variations but he's very effective I think Australia have the edge with the ball I think England had the edge with the bat if they were playing a final so I'm going to go for I'm going to go for England I'm going to say England will just edge it in the final against Australia what about you okay just on that point about Josh Hayeswood he is the number one ranked T20 bowler in the world and the amazing thing is the other nine in the top 10. Are all twirly men. They are all spinners, exactly. And then Reese Topley is at number 11. So that, you know, that just shows you actually that, you know, Topley is a bit of a miss. So he's the, he's the 11th ranked uh, bowler in T20 international cricket and Adil Rashid is in there at number nine. So he's the highest ranked of, of the England's bowlers. And actually for Afghanistan, they have got Mujib at five and Rashid Khan at two. So, you know, they've got, they've got a bit of a threat uh, there, Afghanistan. They did lose to Ireland in Belfast, a, a series in August. Uh, in the Asia Cup, they beat uh, Sri Lanka and Bangladesh and they lost by one wicket to Pakistan. So it's a really important game for England. Though. I don't think they can afford any slip-ups uh, on Sunday in Perth. Right, what am I going to do? I'm going to go for, I mean, it's such a difficult task. Is we got it so hopelessly wrong this time last year because we completely wrote off Australia. I'm going to go for Australia to win it and I'm going to go for South Africa to be my dark horses. There you go. So when you say dark horses, away. you mean they're going to lose? No, I think I, th- I think South Africa could win it. Mm. They, they could surprise everyone. They're going to. I think they're going to be my surprise team. Australia to win it, but you know, that's uh, you know, you'd imagine India, England will go reasonably deep into the competition semi-finals, something like that. And then, of course, it's it's on the day. Australia, uh, you know, came up, and won their own home World Cup, didn't they? Fifty over World Cup. Uh, last time it was staged uh, in Australia. But my mind goes back to 1992 World Cup when England played Pakistan in the 50-over final when Australia completely flunked it. The pressure was too great uh, for them. So, you know, there is dealing with home pressure. And last year they didn't have that, did they? There was no expectation on Australia at all to, to win that. They believed in themselves. I've got lots of very good T20 cricketers. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, so there we go. Uh, I mean, it could be, it could, you could throw them all up in the air and see which way they land. But I'm going Australia and South Africa to do quite well. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so those are our predictions. What about Ryan Sidebottom then, who, of course, is a a World Cup T20 winner with England in 2010? And actually, he's still playing, even though he's retired from the game, first-class cricket and and, and international cricket, he's still playing a bit of Legends cricket. He's just been part of the Legends tournament, T20 tournament in India, uh, which featured a lot of great names from the past. And and he did pretty well, actually. But I thought it would be interesting to know how he thinks T20 has changed from his era when he played to now? I, I certainly think more and more people play it now around the world. I think because there's more and more competitions, um, the IPL is, you know, keeps growing and growing and growing, big bash. So I think the reason why T20 has improved immensely is because there's so many more T20, you know, international games out there, more tournaments out there. So I think more players play the game on a regular basis so I think that's what one why T20 has improved and secondly obviously you know players have players have got better skill wise um you know I, I don't want to get into argument of I'm sure you've had it so many times of test cricket and white ball and is there too much white ball is test cricket gonna die but I think you know because you know T20 is a shorter game don't last as long more entertaining I suppose that's why the younger generation now you know, even when I do a little bit of coaching and one-to-ones, you know, you ask a batsman just to work on his technique, probably first 10, 20 minutes. And and I promise you, half of them can't play a forward defence. But you ask them to play a sweep and a reverse sweep and a scoop, they can just do it like that. Uh, I suppose it just shows how how times and, and the games change very, very quickly. I, I actually decided to retire from any cricket when in a school game that I was playing against my kid's school, um, a 14-year-old reverse swept me for four. So I, I decided that was, that was it. I wasn't going to be doing any more bowling. I mean, it must have changed quite a bit from a, a, a batting perspective for you as a bowler, kind of looking at what you need to bowl and the batting options. So you, you talked about the skills that have sort of developed. How has that changed how you have to approach being a bowler? Well, I think you look now, bowlers will see who's on strike, um, who's in, um, and they have to change accordingly. I think now you can't, you almost have to be three, four dimensional as as a bowler, not as in playing, you know, being good at fielding, batting and bowling. As a bowler now, you have to be so highly skilled because, you know, you've got so many players that can hit the ball all around the park that, um, you know, you've got to find ways. So, you know, one ball, you know, has to be different to the next ball because batsmen are just so quick on off the mark now and, uh, 
and you know so settled early on that you know they, they play it so so well so for me I, if I was playing now I mean you know you just have to have your change-ups the only thing I, I don't see regular is bowlers now bowling proper Yorkers uh, I think it's kind of gone out of the game a little bit uh, and you still look around you look at the best bowlers like a Bumrah or Chris Jordan's done well on, on many occasions they're the guys that hit the block hole because your players are almost waiting for length, back of a length and, you know, sort of wide, slower balls, as it were. So, you know, the Yorkers, I'm sure you agree, it's kind of gone out of the game a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it was certainly a default ball um, back in the kind of back in the day, you know, but I mean, that was a long time ago when we wore whites to play one day cricket and things like that, which seems ridiculous. Um, I suppose the problem with the Yorker is if you get it a bit wrong, it, it goes for six. And I, I guess the other thing is you can be a bit predictable, uh, at least if you mix it up. They, if, if a guy knows that you're going to be basically bowling full every ball, they can set themselves to, to play the ramp or whatever. Whereas I suppose if you mix it up a bit, then they're not quite so sure. And I, I guess um, the problem with mixing it up is it's harder to get when you want to bowl that Yorker you know, I don't know how you found this, but I found bowling Yorkers at the death. It took me a couple of balls to get it right. And then I probably hit a rhythm and, and got it right for probably the rest of the over. But if you're bowling back of a length and you're bowling a slower ball and then you're bowling a Yorker, it's quite hard to master that, isn't it? It's a it's a very good skill. And, and I think not a lot of players, even now, have, have kind of mastered that skill to to go from one to the other. Which again, you know, bowlers are under pressure straight away, aren't they? You don't have any time to settle at all in, in T20 cricket. Um, but I think, you know, now the bounces come back in a little bit, which I like. What I do like to see in T20 cricket, at least have the boundaries a decent size. So then your bowlers can bowl bounces so they can be a little bit more attacking and you're challenging, you know, the batsman to, to do other things. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure things will change in the next five years, the next 10 years. And, you know, it might go back to old old school. We'll have to wait and see. But I, I really do love watching T20 cricket now. It's so entertaining. Does it uh, feel that now, now that you look at the, the, the T20 sort of um, landscape and obviously the World T20 already in progress, and you think back to 2010 and your victory there, do you think that victory, that success winning the World Cup was almost a little bit undervalued compared to how it would be now? Maybe, maybe. I, I wouldn't say we were we were trailblazers. What I would say, we kind of changed how T20 cricket was played probably in, in England. Um, you know, 2009, we, you know, we lost to Holland. Um, we had no sense of direction. As a team, you know, team selection was all over the place. And I think, Collie's, um, you know, selection as, as captain. Um, he'd been to the IPL and I think he'd seen how um, it was played, you know, entertaining, attacking, free-flowing um, with a lot of variation in the bowling attack. And I think he probably changed how we played our cricket in 2010 very, very quickly. Um, you know, having Lum and Keysweather at the top of the order, that was something that, you could argue England would never, those two picks would never be those two picks. 
we were always quite very safe in our selection. And I, I think, you know, we needed to be much more attacking and entertaining as a team. And um, having done that, I, I think we kind of changed the way it was played a little bit. And then you had Owen Morgan, who was definitely ahead of his time in terms of a, a batsman with his hockey wrists and his style of cricket and how he played, um, how he worked out the game to score big runs and how he was attacking. He'd pick a bowler, the weakest bowler, or he'd pick a bowler to, to take down. Um, and I think Owen probably learned a little bit from Collier from that tournament and then took it into his captaincy. And you look at the teams, you know, that I suppose Morg's not just inherited, but how he, how he changed one day cricket, really, and how it was played, especially in England. And it, and it actually, funnily enough, took the one-day side, the 50-overs, had a lot longer to, to sort of cotton on to that trend in a way. So as you say, you you did set the tone, but only for T20 rather than for the longer the longer format. And um, I mean, what what's your memory of that of that final and the, and the the success? I can't remember, mate. I had far too many rum and cokes that that night after we after we won. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, of of course we. We played such an amazing style of cricket. Um, again, something I'd never seen really in, in shorter format cricket, how entertaining we were. And, you know, we had such a, a great balance within our side. Um, and we just gained in confidence and, and the momentum was with us. Um, going into the final, you know, obviously it doesn't get better than playing, you know, the old enemy in the final. And, um, yeah, I, all, all I remember is, is singing the national anthem. And I always daft stupidly got standing next to Graham Swan, who loved singing, uh, but loved singing in a Pavarotti style operatic voice. And and all I was thinking about was please don't laugh when you're singing the national anthem, because obviously the camera comes past you. So I was like, please don't, please don't. And I was like, Swanny, will you shut up? Uh, so it just looked like I was singing the national anthem and smiling at the same time, but I just I just couldn't concentrate. But actually, that probably helped me because I was bowling the first over. And you totally forget about, oh, I'm bowling the first over. I'm going to be under pressure. We need to take early wickets. And it sort of went on from there, really. And then I don't want to drop me and Swanee in it, but I, I promise you, I've never had a cigarette in my entire life. Never hated it. Never been a smoker. Um, but I sat in the toilets with Swanee whilst we were batting because we were both absolutely crapping ourselves thinking, if me and you are batting Swanee, we're struggling, mate. So we're sat there yapping away, having a cigarette, and then you could hear the cheers and the chanting, and every time it was a four or a six. And then we kind of went out the last five overs when we, were, we sort of needed, you know, 20-odd to win. So it was one of those funny moments, really. Something I'll kind of remember, which was a bit ridiculous, but um, at the time it just seemed the right thing to do. You know, you share something with Ben Stokes. Uh, it's, it's, it's not a that well-known a fact that between the end of the World Cup final actual match and the Super over at Lords, he nipped into the back room to try and calm himself down and he had a fag as well. <laughs> and it, you know what, Simon, it'd be something I'd never even dream of. You know, I always played sport and, you know, my dad, he was like, don't ever touch that son us, I'll kill you type of thing. So it was just very, very random. But, you know, I mean, I mean to win a World Cup and, you know, obviously it's part of history and something very, very special. And for us to win it for the first time in such a long, long time, you know, it, it's something that I'll always, you know, always cherish and remember. And what, just uh, quickly, what, what do you feel about this tournament? You say you're acting as a pundit 
uh, for, yep. for our sports and so on. Have you have you given England a, a favourite oh, tag or not? Absolutely, I, I I really believe this this could be the year. You know, you don't want to say England are outright favourites. They're going to win. They're going to smash everyone. But you know, coming into this tournament, they're obviously very confident. Um, you know, it's a selection headache because there's so many players. You know, your Harry Brooks and Ben Ducketts have, have been outstanding, haven't they? Um, they've got all these left armers now, which is well, where and they all come from. You know, Reese Topley's injured, of course. So yes, I've heard that, which is a shame. I mean, yeah, it is a huge shame. You know, he, he's certainly one that's I've been mightily impressed with this this summer. You know, he's bull quick, he's swung it, you know, he's tall, gets bounced, he's been outstanding. So yeah, it could be a big loss, but then Mark Wood's been in great form. I think he's the X factor that England kind of needs, someone different, you know, bull high nineties, you know, very aggressive, bulls bouncers. He's put a lot of, you know, batsmen, even in Pakistan, under pressure. So you know, I think I think it's great. You know, you look at the batting order; it just possesses so much firepower and threat. You just, honestly, I, I'm the same as you. I just shake my head and go, "Where do these players keep coming from? They're just phenomenal cricketers, and they hit the ball so hard." Um, he's just, and, and I really believe I think England have got a massive chance this mm-hmm. tournament. You know, going to this tournament, they're they're in good form. Um, I don't think I see any other team if England play to their potential that can touch them. Um- what about left armers then? You were one of the first, really, weren't you? Uh, you? You played very well in that World T20 in 2010, took lots of wickets, uh, obviously good economy. And th- there was a sort of trend set sort of around about then. I remember Sohil Tanvir being the leading wicket taker in the IPL around that time. And and obviously there were you know a few other left armers. What is it about left arm over bowlers? England now got three in their squad, although Topley obviously injured. What, why why is there this emphasis on left arm? Well, I think it's a total it's a change of angle. Um, it's a different variation, of course. And and like a leg spinner, I think a left armer or left arm seamer, you know, can beat the bat both sides. Um, and I think now they're viewed as, you know, highly important to to a team's, you know, bowling attack. Whereas I would say probably when I first started, it wasn't like left armour. But what? why do we want a left armour? We've got all these right armours. And, and that's how it was when I first started. You know, there was me and Paul Hutchinson at Yorkshire. And, you know, we we're both in really good form at, at one stage of our careers. And it was David Bice was like, we're not, we don't want two left armours in our, in our side. Why would I do that? And, but I think it's become more fashionable. And I think, um, you know, coaches that's and managers... Can you hit her on why? What is it that's different? I mean, my theory, by the way, which is probably, you know, total crap, is that because of your angle, left arm over, going across towards the offside of a right-handed batsman, it's that bit harder to play his natural slog across the line to mid-wicket. Yeah, and it's it's obviously then difficult, isn't it? You, you're taking a, a higher risk or higher percentage risk as a batter because they all want to hit to sort of cow mid-wicket, you know, backward of square. So with the angle going across, obviously you are taking a bigger risk and you're going to have your field set at the leg side because um, it's generally going to hit that way. Um, and I think England have used it brilliantly. I think, you know, coaches and managers sort of maybe five, six years ago realised that actually, oh, IPL, they've all got left armers. Um, you know, some of the best bowlers, in, you know, Trent Bolts, uh, Mitchell Starks, some of the best death bowlers around. Um, I, I think now... You know, you see it as a as a proper, you know, 
armory in, you know, in a in a team's, you know, a team side. So, you know, long may it continue. So it's interesting listening to Ryan Sidebottom there. And, you know, he told me one other thing in his uh, appearance at the Virtual Cricket Club the other night. Is He, he said, uh, one of the questions was, did your, uh, was it a big help that your dad was a professional cricketer before you and actually played for England as well, Arnie Sidebottom? And he said, well, no, actually, not at all, he said, because often he would turn up to games as a sort of junior player, uh, Yorkshire under-19s or something, and people would go, oh, you're only here because your dad was a, a Yorkshire player. And he said, actually, that made him even more motivated. His dad never told him to be a professional cricketer. And of course, Arnie Sidebottom was an interesting one because he also played professional football as well. Those were the days when you could play professional football in the winter and professional cricket in the summer. Uh, and he's, he didn't give uh, Ryan any particular guidance. He just said, you know, do what you feel. And so Ryan followed through on both sports for a while, eventually sort of got better at cricket. But he said, actually, having a dad who had played in the past was a handicap, but it was a motivation to him to prove that it wasn't his dad who got him into the team and that made him better. <laughs> so it's a, a good story of sort of determination and passion, almost uh, in, in defiance of who your dad was. Might have helped with the genes, though. Do you know what I mean? Having Except a, he ended having... up left arm, didn't he? And, yeah. and, and that's an odd thing as well, an odd anomaly that uh, quite a number of, of former cricketers... Uh, have produced sons who bowl the other way around. So Kevin Curran was a right-arm bowler, and Sam, obviously, is left-arm, although Tom is right-arm. Peter Willey was a right-arm bowler, David Willey left-arm, and Arnie Sybottom, a, ver a very tenacious right-arm medium-fast bowler for Yorkshire, whose appeal rent the, the air throughout the whole of Leeds. I mean, it was almost sort of seismic. It's, it's, uh, it's volume when he appealed for LBW at Headingley. And of course, he was right arm and, and Ryan's left arm. So that's a weird one. OK, Yoz, uh, we're going to finish up now. But what we are going to do uh, this weekend is when all the T20 action has finished, the weekend's T20 action after India-Pakistan on Sunday, we're going to round it all up in uh, one of our T20 podcasts. And be, there are going to be regular podcasts after matches during this T20 World Cup. Uh, how much are you looking forward to it? A lot, actually. I mean, it's nice and short and you get to see a lot of uh, skills. And I mean, the bowlers have really come back in the last few months, actually, to show what they're capable of. And I like the fact that Australian grounds are quite big. So you're not, it's not going to be quite as much of a six fest as it might be in the subcontinent. Well, there's a stat uh, knocking around, isn't there, that there are, uh, on Australia grounds in T20 internationals, the, the, the second fewest number of boundaries are struck and I think the second fewest number of sixes as well I think that's that's roughly where we are so yeah the bigger grounds probably mitigates against some of the the bigger hitting and the bowlers might have their say let's hope the the weather uh, plays ball in the next few weeks we normally say that about a tournament in England don't we but uh, it's it's rare to say it about a tournament in Australia although of course you know we had that great controversy back in 1992 the rain rule Richie Benno's rain rule and then that ruined the England South Africa uh, semi-final so we need the weather there. Yeah. I was there, 22 off one ball as they came out to fit, literally face one ball. What a, what a farce that was. Well, let's hope we don't have any of that. So, yeah, we're going to be rounding up uh, the games every couple of days. We'll be speaking to you next on Sunday after England's first match against Afghanistan and then, of course, that titanic encounter between India and Pakistan. So we'll speak to you then. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thank you.
Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.